0: Yell at seven, one on the right center indeed! Get up!
1: Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewer's Trilogy Podcast, which is affiliated with Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I'm your host Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurt. You can find my writing the calling revealing the brew, and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Joining me today will be Spencer Gregerson. He is also a writer for Wisconsin Sports Heroics. Joining me to recap an unfortunate series loss to the Cardinals. So I will not keep blabbing like I normally do at the beginning of these podcasts. Instead, I'm going to get right into my recaps, and then Spencer will be joining me here for some further discussion. So game one was a 6-1 to loss in 11 innings. It was a pitcher's duel, despite what you see there in the final score between Kim and Peralta. And Peralta initially won the pitcher's duel. Kim left in the sixth inning after giving up a ground rule double to Travis Shaw that ended up scoring Lorenzo Kane. Peralta went seven strong, gave up one hit, struck out eight, zero walked, zero on run runs. But once we switched to the bullpen, Devin Williams allowed a run in the eighth inning. He gave up a leadoff single to a speedy Harrison Bader. A Matt Carpenter walk followed that. And then the next batter, Tommy Edmond, flew up to center field. So both runners tagged and came through to third. His throw was late, and the runner from first tagged as well. So now you have runners on second and third and Dylan Carlson ended up getting a sack fly after that to tie the game at one, but Williams managed to escape with that being the only run that he gave up. In the ninth, we used Josh Hader, and then in the tenth, we used J.P. Feierheisen. So the first batter Fireheiser saw ended up grounding up to second base, but that advanced Molina to third base. So now you have a runner on third with just one out in the tenth inning, and thankfully, has was able to get the next two Cardinals out and keep the ball in the infield to get out of the 10th inning jam. Unfortunately, in the 11th, the Brewers' killer Paul Goldschmidt launched a two-run homer into deep left center to give the Cardinals a 3-1 lead. And then, when you just when you thought things couldn't get worse, Arenado, Arenado hits a double. Andrew Kinsner was beamed, and then Tyler O'Neill launched a three-run homer, and that's how we get to -to 6-1, and all of those runs came off of Brad Boxberger. The Brewers attempted the rally in the bottom of the 11th. They loaded the bases, but JBJ and Billy McKinney both struck out on three pitches each to end the game. Game two was a 4-1 win. Brandon Woodruff took a no-hitter into the sixth inning, ended up pitching into the eighth, though, Ultimately gets a no decision but struck out ten batters over seven and two-thirds innings. The only run he gave up was to uh, Tyler O'Neill Homer. Yep, him again. <laughs> that was in the eighth inning. With the start, Woodruff now has the lowest amount of run support among qualified starters, which is, is just absolutely pitiful. Offensively, the Brewers got creative in this game. Yeah, for their only run or for their four runs, they got creative. In the sixth inning, with Kane on second, Harrison Bader fell down making a catch in center field, and then he lost the ball in the transfer. So Lorenzo Cain scored on an F8 with an air from second base. One of the most bizarre plays I have ever seen. And then in the eighth inning with two outs, Dan Vogelbach struck out on a wild pitch and reached first base. Yes, Vogelbach motored down first base. Pablo Reyes was then immediately pinch-ran for him, ended up scoring on a go-ahead double from Travis Shaw, and then Avi Garcia ends up launching a two-run bomb to make it 4-1. to one. So kind of opposite of the first game. In game one, the Cardinals piled runs on in the 11th. In game two, the Brewers piled runs on in the 8th. And then Josh Hader came in for the 9th, had runners on the corners and the tying run at the plate, but was able to slam the door for his 8th save of the season. Game two, the all-too-familiar rubber match for the Brewers, and Corbin Burns was on the mound, and his return was spoiled. His first start off the IL here, and going against Jack Flaherty, who has been pretty good this year, and with this 2-0 victory, he advanced to 7-0 on the season, which is just unreal for a starting pitcher. Corbin Burns did give up a run in the first inning, but then was just absolutely dialed in after that. Goes five innings, strikes out nine, And yes, he did allow a walk. So he thankfully was able to strike out a few batters before it happened. So his strikeouts before allowing a walk reached 58, which is a new major league record. So Corbin Burns now possesses that. But like I said, Brewer's offense could not provide any freaking run support. But that's not to say it wasn't an entertaining game. The Brewers' defense actually had two throwouts at home plate in this one. One was by Luis Sirius who was tracking the ball backwards in center field, and once the ball hit the ground, he picked it up and chucked a strike home. Lorenzo Cain had another throwout at home. This one was a pop-up into center field, and he threw Tommy Edmund out, so no slouch on the bases there. But like I said, when you don't score any runs... The Cardinals offense does just enough. The Brewers lose this one, 2-0, and they lose the rubber match and only take one out of three versus the Cardinals. All right, and joining me for the Cardinals series recap here is Spencer Gregerson. So the series did not go the way we wanted it to, but I, I think it's fair to say it was a rather entertaining series from a baseball standpoint, even though it did not go in our favor. But, what was your kind of overall impressions of the Brewers <clears throat> only taking one out of these three games?
0: Same, same book, different page. Uh, pitching great, obviously. We have three of the best starting pitchers in the entire MLB. Hitting not so great, uh, so it seems more of the same, unfortunately. And like you said, if you're a true baseball fan, it's fun to watch because you got pitcher after pitcher just dealing. Um, if you're if you're more of a casual baseball fan, it might not be as fun, but uh yeah, it's it's fun to watch. Our first three starters pitched us, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, the pitchers were just dominant in this game. There was all the tweets over, like, between Peralta, Woodruff, Burns, they covered, what, like, 19 innings, I think, between the yeah. three of them. had 27 strikeouts. Like yep. I, That's the three pitchers I wanted going in this series, and we still only took one, which really just shows how poor our offense was this series.
0: Yep. And, and nobody got a win. I mean, it's just especially, you know, Freddie, that first game, eight strikeouts, one walk uh, and one hit and still didn't win the game. It's just it's it's really frustrating, especially, you know, this deep and this this deep in the season. We're about a quarter of the way, but frustrating none, nonetheless.
1: Yeah, but it's good. We're starting to get some pieces back offensively, at least like Narvaez made his return. So yeah. that's encouraging. Poor Nottingham got DFA'd again. So <laughs> we'll see yeah. what happens there.
0: Christian Yelich is a-
1: starting a, a rehab assignment, I think, over the weekend, so should have some more yeah. news on that.
0: Yep, yeah, and Aaron Perez went two for four today uh, in the minors, so yeah, I'm sure he'll be up sooner rather than later. And the speedster Vogel, Vogelback's looking Vogelback's looking pretty good, and um, you know people people hate on like to hate on him a lot, but he's batting a lot better than a lot of a lot of people in our lineup right now.
1: Uh, what was it? Game two on, on Wednesday night. Vogelbach was just all over the place in that game. Yeah, <laughs> had they a, a great play catch. At first. Yeah, yeah. He had that uh, play against the railing. He, like, ran into the mm-hmm. rail on the first base side, and then he beat out that wild pitch strikeout, and then Pablo Reyes ended up scoring the winning run of that game. Just yep. <laughs>
0: funny stuff. Yep, and, and, you know, it's crazy. You look at the lineup, and you— we think back to before the, when the season started. Everyone's so optimistic, and how great our lineup's going to be with Hira, you know, he's on his comeback season, and Yelich, you know, ready to take the take the leadership role of this team. And and you look at the lineup on May 13th, and you're like, well, you just don't you just don't recognize the lineup as the Brewers. And um, somehow somehow we're still we're still fighting.
1: Yeah, fighting is definitely the right word there. I'm glad you mentioned Hernan Perez because what he has, like maybe six minor league get bats at this point, and everyone's yeah. already. you know, yeah. want him called up, which is, which is kind of strange. but what do you think the realistic approach of that actually happening is?
0: You know I, the the further we get into the season, and you know I think we're batting a team two eighteen for the year. I mean, fresh blood, fresh blood that's looking for another opportunity in Perez, you know looking for another major league opportunity. It can't hurt. I mean, this series we've added two for 31 with runners in scoring position. Like, something's got to give. I know people are calling for Andy Haynes' job, but, you know, for a quick shot in the arm, calling somebody else up that's, you know, looking for another opportunity and is it's, you know, a short, uh, small sample size, but Perez has proven he could get it done. And maybe he's probably not the answer for the season, but it might be a nice shot in the arm for a series or two.
1: Right, and Perez is so versatile. You can just kind of stick them wherever you want and on the defense in any given day. can can cover multiple positions. I have been a big proponent of, like, where on earth is D-Strange Gordon? Looking at his minor league stats, he's got 27 at-bats. He's hitting 296 in those. Got a homer, two RBIs, two stolen bases. He's old, but he still still can steal bases. But I think, like, the biggest weakness with him is, like – I. Second base is probably his best fit, but Colton Wong's there. He could maybe play yep. shortstop, but you're still giving Urias a chance. And third base, I think, is seemingly out. So yep. that kind of sucks for him.
0: Unless he can learn how to play first <laughs> real quick, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what we need. I was hoping I was hoping Billy McKinney might have been the answer, but he's just yeah more <laughs> the same out of him as well.
1: Yeah, the the Brewers' curse at first base is just never-ending, and it's really rather unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, that Vogelback made it to first on that pass ball. What, what's your thought on that pass ball third strike rule?
1: You know, people have been talking a lot about that lately. Did it change somewhere? Is that why it came up? Did I miss something there?
0: No, it didn't change. It's just it seemed to happen quite a bit. I know uh, that, well, there was that, uh, it was either perfect game, yeah, the perfect game that got lost uh, because of a pass ball third strike. Um, so I think that uh, it was means is for the A's uh, his perfect game got lost uh, because of the drop third strike. So I think that that was a big part of it. That kind of got the conversation going. And then we'll Vol- go back's play. Obviously that led to a three run inning, which obviously helped in a big win. So, you know, the, the big argument against it is outs belong in gloves. Outs belong in a baseball glove when somebody catches it. And to a point that's true, uh, but you know you got to think of if a run if a base runner gets hit with a ball that's been hit that's an out bunted third strike that's an out fan interference that's an out so there there are rules that say a ba- baseball doesn't have to end in a glove to be an out I'm personally I would like to see that rule go it's just it's annoying that a pitcher can have four strikeouts in an inning um, but uh, I under, I understand why the rules there and I don't think it's uh, it's the reason is it has to be in a glove I think that's the art that argument is a little lame.
1: Yeah, I guess I never really looked at it from that perspective, but it makes sense. And it's also like if a pitcher makes a hit or miss that bad, like they deserve to get that out, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but yeah, it's just so hard when it's been a part of the game forever, and us traditionalists are like, no, keep it, keep it, because you know we want we just want to hold on to those things. But I never thought I'd grow to like the DH, but I really can't wait for the DH to be back either. So.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but when you have you know, but when you have pictures like in Woody, just may have it huge moments. It's tough to want to see that go. And I don't know if you saw uh, Woodruff's interview today about that. He said he always likes going up to the plate and you know seeing what the other guys throwing, and it gives gives the appreciation for how good other pitchers are. And you know, if if we had the DH, he'd never have that homer off of Kershaw, <laughs> and uh, you know, Lower wouldn't have those big home runs this year. So.
1: Yeah. that's true we also had woodruff in this series where he went to bat for the third time in like the seventh inning and he had no intentions of swinging
0: he just stood <laughs> there so yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is hopefully. a little bit of that but, yeah yeah but if you're as pitcher of him you don't really need to give yourself firepower hopefully well, i guess this year with this kind of offense you might want to but yeah
1: yeah true so Speaking of, of pitchers, we have history being made with Corbin Burns. He now set the strikeout to before issuing a walk record at 58. Man, I never would have thought he would be the one to do it, but that's absolutely crazy that he was able to do that and especially to complete it in his first game back after the IL, I think really shows how far he's come in his development. I think Last year was definitely no fluke, and he's a lot further along than we thought.
0: Definitely, his cutter is nasty. His curveball's nasty, and yeah, two weeks not pitching and coming back and pitching that great is is awesome to see. Uh, especially you know when we get to deeper in the season when he, if he has a blister or something like that, he can come back and he won't he won't lose much steam. That's awesome to see, and it especially helps you know when we have Woodruff to to you know circle around him and and. Help him out if he needs it. If he needs a day off or something like that, it's huge. But yeah, right. yeah, in my in my uh, preseason is my preseason article I wrote. I had him as a Cy young contender, and I think I don't, I don't see that going away anytime soon.
1: <laughs> Gosh, no. I mean, Burns now has a one five seven ERA on the year. Woodruff is at one six four. Hell, Freddy Peralta's at two seven seven. So yeah. it, there's a chance all three of them could at least get a few votes. I would not yeah. rule it out.
0: Definitely, and hopefully that won't hurt them. You know, yeah, in the voting.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. (laughs) All right, so let's dial a little bit back to this Cardinals series. Here, we're going to go into a segment called Series MVP and Series Dud. So, who was your biggest MVP of this series?
0: I mean, it's got to. I think it's got to be Freddie Peralta. Uh, his performance the other day was just insane. Eight strikeouts, one hit, one walk. Unfortunately, still didn't get the win. But again, he's our third starter, and he can. He's that consistent every single time you put him out there. You can. All you got to do is score two or three runs. Unfortunately, it seems like we have three Jacob DeGroms on our team when we they just can't get the run support. But every time you see Freddie Peralta in the lineup and he's your third starter, and you, you have to feel good about that. Especially since the starting pitching position is what's hurt the Brewers in the playoffs late uh, past you know decade. Seems like we we can make these runs, we can make these late season runs, but we get to the playoffs and our starting pitching just doesn't cut it. And uh, to have Freddie in that third spot is awesome.
1: Yeah, it is, and it was weird because I'm going to agree with you. Freddie Peralta is my series MVP as well, and. In that game, in the, going into the eighth inning there, they throw in Devin Williams. And then Devin Williams ends up giving an earned run. And then my honorable mention was Brandon Woodruff. And it was like the exact opposite in game two, where they stuck with Woodruff. And then, of course, Woodruff ends up giving up a freaking home run. So it's like, man, Council, it's not like he chose wrong. It's just unfortunate what happened in both of those situations. But Woodruff went seven, two-thirds. Struck out ten, only issued one walk, three hits allowed. So great stuff out of starting pitching, like we talked about a little bit earlier.
0: Yep, and in, is it just me? Is Devin Williams' changeup going around that bullpen? It seems like JP <laughs> Rising's changeup is almost identical to Devin Williams's now, and it, it seems like every pitcher's changeup is has that same kind of you know nine to three movement uh, or nine to three spin rotation is just it's nasty.
1: Oh yeah, it is. I I think you'd be a fool not to listen to what Devin Williams is doing with this changeup if you're someone who sees him every day in the bullpen. So I think for sure there's definitely a little playing off one another there with Feierheisen and Williams. I think What do you think? Because right now, Council's been pretty adamant going Feierheisen in like the 7th, Williams 8th, Hayter ninth, and, you know, situations where it presents itself. Do you think there's any chance that Devin Williams and J.P. Feierheisen need to be switched, or is it too early to start thinking about that?
0: I think it's it's a little too early. You know, Devin Williams started off the season not in the same form he was last season. He kind of found himself uh, in these last, you know, two or three weeks, you know, he can't stay off of Pitching Ninja's Twitter. It's He's all over the place. You know, he, he has those games where he gets a little unlucky. Uh, he'll give he'll give up a home run or two, but I think we got to wait a little bit to make that call. I mean, he's proven he can be a shutdown reliever in this game. It, but, you know, JP's no slouch. I think he's getting, he's given up one earned run all year so far. And uh, uh, But, you know, keep him on the back burner. If, if Devin seems to falter a little bit around the All-Star break, I said, yeah, switch him up. Give uh, give Devin the seventh inning spot and move move JP up. I mean, and then Hater, you know, he's he's locked down as they come.
1: Yeah, my God, Hater is he's always been good, but I think this year he looks especially better, which is yep. really weird to think about because he's already been an reliever of the year two years, you know, dating back not the last year obviously because Williams won it, but the two years prior to that. So mm-hmm. that's really saying something there with Josh Hader.
0: It is, it is. And I mean, if you look at the pitching staff as a whole, like I said, our first three pitchers, they could be aces on a lot of teams in the MLB. And uh, so the first three starters on the team and the last three in the in the relief position, they could they could be a closer in a lot of teams. Uh, so we're, we're pretty spoiled as far as pitching goes. We just need you know the lineup to to come to bat for them a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean the offense, you mentioned it, that was bad this year. I think or bad this series, excuse me. I think the only bright spot and the only honorable mention for a positive I'm going to give is Travis Shaw who was 4 12 this series. All four of his hits were doubles, <laughs> hit two mm-hmm. RBIs and drew one walk. So good stuff out of him, but the rest of the lineup was just absolutely pitiful. So do I even have to ask you who are you who your dud is going to be for the series?
0: I mean, it's it's the offense as a whole. I mean, it's it's so hard to watch knowing, you know, you get a single or you get a walk or even, I mean, heck, you get the first two to reach base and you just have no confidence you're going to see any run scored. It's, you know, I, I, put up, I put up a poll today after I think Vokey walked or somebody walked and I said, where where you know, where is he going to end at the end of the game? And I think the majority of people are at the end of the inning and I think everyone said either double play or, you know, he's going to be stranded. Just you have, you have no confidence with with Yelich out here and not being here and playing well and you know Jackie Bradley Jr. is is not the bat we thought he was going to be and you know I I didn't have ultra high hopes for him coming into the Brewers but you know I thought 260 270 maybe 275 and we just, we don't we don't have that group in the lineup that that you can rely on to like okay just get on base we'll get you home just get on base we'll get you home and we we just, we just don't have that so far this year.
1: Yeah, you're right. JBJ was 0 of 11 this series, four strikeouts. He was supposed to you know, provide a little bit more pop in the bat. That was supposed to be his upgrade compared to Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, I think maybe the 270 is like a, I think that's what he hit last year, if I remember correctly. And that was yeah. a little bit higher for him. Normally he's like a 240, 250 hitter. But when you're doing damage, like you're producing runs, that's good. But he has not shown that ability whatsoever this year.
0: Yeah, and you know if he if he can play a good center field and bat, you know two forty five in the seven spot, perfect. That yeah, you know that's all that's all we need from you. But if you're if you're just going to be a liability at the plate, and he's, it, it's not that you know Shaw when he's in his slumps, he he still hits the ball, he still hits the ball hard, and JBJ almost seems lost at the plate at times. And it's you know there's a big difference in you know you're getting solid contact, you're just you know lining into outs, and you're just getting unlucky where you're hitting the ball. And then there's, you know, what we saw with Keston Hira starting out where you just, you're just you swinging at balls and you're looking at strikes and you're just, not, you're just not seeing it.
1: Yeah, I wonder if part of it is JBJ is used to playing every day and now you're coming into the Brewers where it's, you have four really good outfielders and he's not necessarily getting that consistent playing time what he's used to in the past. I don't know if that has anything to do with it maybe like he feels like he has to do more at the plate each game because it's a little more meaningful and he's pressing that might be what it it is to me anyway
0: you know he knew coming in that we had a loaded outfield and i don't i don't know if that's on on coaching you know not getting him prepared for his spots that he that he does get to play in or what it is i don't know if if we just need obviously we need christian josh back bad but i don't i didn't know if it was that bad where you know he can't see the field anymore but you know something's got to give if it's you know Andy Haynes changing something in his in his coaching, trying to you know there's so many bats to try to fix. Like where do you even start? And uh, I, like I said before, everyone's calling for Andy Haynes' job, but who do you bring in? Like is there is there a candidate out there that everyone's looking at? I haven't really seen anything. Um, yeah, but some one thing's for sure is something's got to change. Going batting two for 31 with runners in scoring position for a series against a division opponent, uh, it's not going to cut it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's not like a good candidate out there. Like, unless you're going to promote someone from within the organization who's familiar with all these players, bringing someone from the outside in doesn't make sense in the middle of the season. In the off season, sure, then you get more yeah. familiar. they got time to do their research. But right now, no. I think it starts with changes in the personnel and the players, kind of like we were talking about with Perez, DeStrange, Gordon, whoever's sitting down there in the minor leagues. So that's my little take on it for right now i think my series mvp i'm gonna go with brad boxberger probably like the only bad pitcher this entire series and that's just because in extra innings he just got rocked gave up yeah. four runs two homers one to goldie one to tyler o'neill and that's six to one loss in 11 innings you you don't see that very often just makes you scratch your head but he's been really good all year just was not good on that day
0: he's a little hit and miss you know early in the season he struggled a little bit but yeah he's he's finding his stride and you know, every team's going to have those relievers where you like you throw them out there and you hope they do good and they have the potential to do good, but you're not always going to get their best game. Um, but, you know, Suter's, Suter's playing, has been pitching well late as of late. Obviously, their last three in the in the relievers. Um, but, yeah, yeah, Boxberger's showing, showing some good stuff. Unfortunately, I got tagged up a little bit the other day.
1: Yeah, he'll bounce back, I think, here. he's He's got some increased velocity this year that I really like to see out of him hitting. Mid-90s quite often, so a little amped up for Boxburg, which is good to see. Speaking of amped up, we have the Braves coming up next year, or next series here, so three more games at home. Oddly enough, the Braves are coming in at 17-20. and They're third in the East, but they're still a really freaking dangerous team, and going at it, we'll have Smiley versus Hauser in Game 1, Ian Anderson versus Brett Anderson in Game 2, and then, I'm not going to pronounce it, Yona one of the rookie right-hander for the Braves versus Peralta on Sunday. So what are you looking for in this upcoming series against the Braves?
0: Uh, some offense. Uh, obviously <laughs> we have that. We have the end of a rotation starting the last couple of games and, you know, as, as much promise as you know, they, they've shown in their last couple starts, something's got to give, uh, you know, I don't know who it's going to be. Somebody's got to step up. Um, I think Shaw's got to step up in a big way coming off of a, a pretty decent series um somebody's got to show some leadership um some yeah and, and i know but garcia's home run was awesome seeing him that fired up was awesome that home run was launched and it, it just you could feel you could feel the energy from the crowd um him screaming into the dugout something's got to get this team pumped up and that we're just, we're missing that energy that we had in 2018 that the whole that just carried carried them throughout the entire year um, you know, we had that relationship between Braun and Yellich. It's hard to replicate and, you know, the energy that they give the team is hard to replicate, but somebody has got to try. And, you know, like you said, the Braves are no slouch. There's going to be a big test. And ho- hopefully we can get the bats going.
1: Yeah. Bats are, you know, the biggest thing by far. I'm really going to be intrigued by this. I'm going to butcher it again. Yona versus Peralta matchup, just because they're like the exact same pitcher. They're both, Heavy fastball, heavy slider pitchers. Yona's a little bit faster, closer to the 97, 96 on average. Uh, but looking at usage rate, 48% fastball, 46% slider for him there. So it's going to be two two of the same pitchers going at one another on Sunday when the shadows are going to be going across American Family Field. So I'm expecting a, a pitcher's duel, which totally goes against their offense, that <laughs> strategy there, but should be a fun game on Sunday, I think.
0: Yeah, but, you know, Brewers have been used to pitching battles with low-scoring games, so maybe maybe the Braves aren't, and hopefully maybe that'll go into our favor a little bit.
1: Yeah, we also, there's a chance we could miss Ronald Acuna as well. He went out with an ankle injury today. I, I know he had an x-ray and it said it was negative, but I have, I have no idea what his status looks like coming into this weekend, but... He's, what, got 12 home runs on the year, so he's top of the majors there, hitting over 300, has an OPS over 1,000, 24 RBIs. So if we could just even miss one game of Acuna, I'd be fine with that.
0: No, oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's it's early to mid bay. I don't know, you know, coming off of a rolled ankle, I don't know how, how much they're trying to rush him back. So, in, And believe me, they can take their time. Don't rush him back. He needs to be healthy for the later runs. Just you don't need him right
1: well i mean we missed bryce harper in the phillies series and then we got swept so yeah. maybe acuna should play but play your best that's, players
0: <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe we just need that uh we need that stress or that yeah that that threaten the other dugout to get us going
1: <laughs> yeah playing to the lovely competition is what they call it i think there so maybe yeah. that's the key yeah. so all right well thanks for joining me here today spencer yeah, please, it was a yeah, pleasure before we get out of here, can you just remind my listeners where they can find you on Twitter and who you do all your writing for?
0: Yeah, I'm uh, at Sven Gregg on Twitter. Uh, I'm writing for Wisconsin Sports Rokes, so check out. Uh, we have a bunch of really good writers over there for all Wisconsin sports. So, uh, yeah, check up, check me out over there.
1: All right. Thanks for joining, man.
0: Yeah, thanks. Have a good one.